Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NBA Finals, the Major League Baseball Playoffs, a crowned NHL Stanley Cup champion, the NFL flipping its fingers up at COVID-19 and pressing forward with its most popular games. We have sports happening, and I might argue too many sports happening, Al. I need a computer open over here, a TV open over there, a phone open over here just to watch all this stuff. What the hell's happening? It's very difficult but I think we'll get through it after 134 days without sports. We join you all a little bit earlier in the week. We've been pressed by our own sports teams to do our sports podcast, them playing games late into the night, us not wanting to miss anything and not wanting what we say to be old news. By the time you all listen to it, we're breaking that streak. Now, despite my New York Yankees playing currently our Los Angeles Lakers. However, are farther along in the NBA finals. Just finished game three. We'll play game four tomorrow as we're recording. But when you'll hear this, it will be nigh for them to play game four. And we have some thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, as Lakers fans, we have some thoughts. Now, if you're a casual fan of the national basketball association, if you're a fan of a scorned team, you might think our thoughts are ridiculous. You might think we're entitled. You might have a lot of adjectives for what we're about to say, but we're coming from the right place, taking a step back and just watching what we saw in game three leading up to this point. The Lakers lead the series 2-1. Al and I will probably argue it should easily be 3-0. Jimmy Butler played a historic basketball game, only the third to do so in NBA history, scoring 40 points like he did with a triple-double. The difference is the other two guys lost. When they had that happen to themselves, Jimmy Butler won that game against our Los Angeles Lakers. So there's a little table set. I flip up the ping pong ball and hit it across the net for Al to get a little fired up about what he saw from the Lakers through three games. Greetings, big John. And you know, to all our friends and fans agreed, we didn't have anything. And now we have a glut. You don't know where to go. What game is this in the Stanley cup playoffs? These are the finals. Who's playing? What's the score? They're in overtime again. What's the race for the last MLB wildcard spot? How many wildcard slots are there? A five-way tie? What? Do the Cardinals have to play extra games? If they go to Detroit? Oh, no, they don't. Oh, and boom, they're gone. Um, and then you have the bubble. You have bubbleicious. You have the franchise of record, our Los Angeles Lakers, who, quite frankly, through the first two games of the series, and l- let it be said, the Heat were without two of their starters uh, for a good chunk of those two games, but the Lakers literally looked 
from a physical standpoint and a size standpoint and really an age standpoint, like it was men playing with boys. They looked like, you know, you see Tyler Hero out there and he's barely old enough to shave. And then you see the likes of Dwight Howard or obviously LeBron James and guys that just look like they are full grown men against guys who are not quite there yet. And the Lakers dominated. Davis was brilliant. And people started talking sweep. This is over. Heater banged up. No way they're going to win a game. And last night, Jimmy Butler comes out and plays a game for the ages. Mind you, everything that you said is true. And then throw in the fact that he was the first one to ever do this uh, in the triple-double scenario without attempting a three-point shot. He did not only not make one, he did not attempt one. So it was old school of Jimmy Butler from 18 feet and in all night long, and he had his way with our club. Mid-range jumpers in the paint, at the free-throw line, dishing for assists, for three-pointers, for layups. He basically did whatever he wanted. And to his credit, he showed strength. He showed perseverance. He was brilliant. He was a leader. And he was the best player on the floor. And when you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the floor with you and you're the best player on the floor, that's saying something. That being said, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, especially LeBron James, played a good chunk of that game with their heads firmly up their asses. The Lakers came out flat. The Lakers came out lethargic. Turnover after turnover after turnover from James and Davis in the first quarter. Then Davis gets saddled with a third foul on a very questionable charge uh, drawn by Kelly Olenek, who looked like he caused the contact. The Lakers don't challenge. And Davis sits down for the rest of the half. Somehow, some way, they're only down four at the half playing miserable, nothing from Caldwell Pope, absolutely nothing from Danny Green, who put up another stinker. But lo and behold, the bench, led by Kyle Kuzma and led by, uh, I'm still not sure which Morris twin we have, uh, with, of course, a, 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 a little pitch in from Caruso, uh, kept the Lakers in the hunt in the first half, and then again in the second half. Kuzma from three, Morris from three, and after falling defined by 14, Davis gets back on the court, gets a few minutes under his belt, gets into the game, and looky here in the fourth quarter, who's got a two-point lead in the timeout on a left-handed runner off the glass by playoff Ronda? It's our Los Angeles Lakers. And we're thinking, look at this. We stunk the joint up. Jimmy Butler is playing like a man possessed and we're going to steal this game and go up 3-0. Timeout, heat, and what do they do? They proceed to get the ball to Jimmy Butler down in the paint and LeBron James is guarding him the same way he guard, took on the best player on the Nuggets. And lo and behold, Butler gives him a little shimmy shake in the paint and sticks about a 12-footer in his face. LeBron upset. Slaps the ball as it comes through the hoop. And you could turn your sets off right there. Because that was the game. That was the game. After that, a frustrated LeBron James looked like a stumbling, bumbling old man. Turnover after turnover 
after turnover. Travels, bad passes, stripped from behind, missed threes, screaming at the referees after he takes five steps looking for a foul when he isn't touched. Something we never saw Michael Jordan do in a finals game. Never, ever, ever did Michael Jordan spit the bit in the fourth quarter of a finals game the way LeBron James did last night. I'm sure he'll come back strong. He's a great player. He's a player for the ages. But let's cut to the chase, plain and simple. Last night in the fourth quarter, he stunk. Anthony Davis didn't even see the ball down the stretch of that game. Where is making the smart basketball play? Where is getting the ball to the mismatch? Your guy in the paint. They have no answer for Anthony Davis. He didn't even have shots last night. One reason was he wasn't on the court long enough because of foul trouble. The other reason was too many turnovers. The other reason was they didn't look for him. LeBron James is usually going one on five. LeBron James throwing passes away in a break that doesn't exist. LeBron James charging into the paint with four guys on. It's one thing when you beat the defense to the rack and lay it in. It's another thing when you're trying to do it against four guys. And that's what he did time and time and time again. Did not take care of the basketball and did not get the ball to the right person. Namely, his partner in crime, who they have no answer for, who they cannot stop, who didn't take a shot. Why didn't he take a shot? Because he didn't touch the ball. Unacceptable. Chance to put the hammer down and go up three love, game, set, match, series, over. Instead, this guy's looking like Willie Mays in the 1973 World Series, stumbling and fumbling and bumbling around center field against the Oakland A's. Look it up, kids. Watch the film. That's what LeBron looked like last night. Is he an all-time great? Absolutely, absolutely, positively. Will he come back and play well? I'm sure he will. But there's one thing we can do. We can stop with the GOAT argument. Because when it comes to my, Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time, and LeBron James, there is no argument. So let's put that to rest right now. Over and done. Regardless of what he does in these next one, two, three, four games, if necessary, whatever it may take. And I would certainly hope they're going to win this championship. If they don't, it'll be a choke job right up there with his performance you know, against the Dallas Mavericks when they blew his Miami Heat, ironically blew a two-love series lead there. And he absolutely imploded in the worst moments of his career. And oh, by the way, how about what do we do walking off the court with 10 seconds to go? Could you be a little more Bush League? What are you doing? What is that? I understand you're frustrated. I understand you're disgusted and probably with yourself because you let one get away and you played horribly in the last eight minutes of that basketball game, as bad as I've seen you play in recent memory. It's not just a question of missed shots. It's a question of the style with which you played the game. It's, a, to me, totally frustrated by one play. By one play where you got bested by the guy who no one could stop on your team, you took it upon yourself to try and stop him, to make a statement, one-on-one, in the paint, up to looking to take over the basketball game, and the hot guy made a play. He stuck in your face, and you let it get to you. And the rest of the game, you were lost. You were frustrated. You tried to do way too much, and you let your team down dramatically and then you walked off the court with 10 seconds to go like a baby like a brat like a sore loser disgusted 
absolutely, positively, thoroughly disgusting. That's not a GOAT. That's a great player. It's an all-time great. But there's only one GOAT. And no matter what, no matter what he does, he ain't it. Not now, not ever, never. There were several different things that disappointed. LeBron, for one, stood out because this is the game where you, you give Anthony Davis, you give any player, you give any star player, okay, sometimes you get a mulligan, sometimes you don't have it, sometimes there's foul trouble, you can't be in the game and, and do what you want to do, and it messes with the rotations, as the broadcast crew was talking about, and you know much how much I love rotations in NBA basketball in the NBA finals. Like, rotations matter. Put in the best players besides the point. LeBron, I thought, at the end of game one, really took it over to put the icing on the cake to get the win. Game two, if we're arguing or discussing who should be MVP and who played better, that was Anthony Davis's game, no question. Game three, Anthony Davis was a ghost in the first half. Some of that had to do with foul trouble. Some of that had to do with just the way he played. He had two shots in the entire first half. Two. He scored zero points in the fourth quarter. I don't even know if he shot the ball, to be honest with you. A ghost. One shot. A ghost. Left wing that was in and out. A ghost for most of the game. It's only time he touched the ball. Right. So you, you accept it. Okay. But that's the game where LeBron has to pick up the pieces, step up, and carry him a little bit. For as much as AD has carried LeBron throughout this season and in the postseason, now it's your turn. Unfortunately, he didn't do that, and he looked ugly in not doing it. Travels, Al. Two of them in the NBA Finals, and he's complaining to the referees after them. When Look at the referee. He took five steps. Even us as any Lakers fans are looking at that play going, I mean, yeah, he traveled. It, It was just a horrible performance and it got to the point in the game and Lakers fans know this and even casual fans know this, you know, when the game is over, when LeBron gets the ball with two minutes or so left, it's urgency time. You need to score quickly. You're down seven or nine. The game is, is basically over, but maybe if you hit a couple quick baskets, he'll grab the ball stand at the top of the three-point line, either at the wing or the top of the key, and just wait. And people run past, and somebody comes and sets a screen, and people run around. Meanwhile, 15 seconds go off the clock, and he ends it with one of his backup three-pointers that never fall in that moment. They never fall in that moment. I don't know why he decides this is what's going to get us back in the game at this moment, But what it does is always guarantee that the Lakers will not get back into the game because of that moment. And we got it at the end of game three for Jimmy Butler. He didn't get, he tried to barge his way. It's one thing when you're doing what you're doing in game one, single coverage, no help. And you're going to the glass and finishing when there's no resistance, but when there's three and four guys collapsing on you, you got to pull up. You got to kick. You got to do something else. And instead of trying to just force your way through there where there's no room to go, it's like, you know, it's like you're trying to take you know, a tractor trailer. 
you know, through an overpass that's five feet high. It doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. You know, don't post up. Don't don't play yourself in the paint and call for the ball. Barge in where all the help is and try and barrel through and force up you know, a shot. Uh, you know, don't look to kick out not for a three pointer, fifteen foot jump shot. You know, get your get yourself to the foul line. Plant your butt with your back to the basket in the paint and post up. The, the, what, what, how many times have we said that, that I love? Inside out, inside out, inside out. Not outside in. Inside out. That's what I want to see. That's what I wanted to see there. But again, trying to take over with the ball in his hands, with the defense set against him. Not one guy, not two guys, but sometimes three guys. And just trying to barge your way through, force your way through, and not looking anywhere else every time. And then mindless passes you know, on the break after a steal, comes down, throws it away himself. You know, when, when there's nobody open, trying to force a pass, it was ugly. Well, it was it, ugly. You, the, you the, pull the your basketball, hair out. You know, the, the, the basketball is the greatest value in the game. And they put no value on the ball during the first quarter when he was incredibly sloppy and AD was incredibly sloppy and lethargic. And then in the fourth quarter, more importantly, when you had a chance to steal a game and literally cut their heart out because as well as they play and as brilliant as Jimmy Butler was, there you were ahead. And I also thought their defensive strategy was awful. Jimmy Butler overpowered every Laker who guarded him. He just was brute force to the basket. And I don't mean, you know, in a, in a bad way. He wasn't charging through people. He wasn't barging in. He was taking the contact and was strong. Something we're feeling, very familiar that I talk about. I want LeBron to do. But he's only got one guy on him. He's one guy can't guard him. Going to the basket, all right, and taking the contact. And last night it was Jimmy Butler who played LeBron basketball. He got to the box, in the paint, with his back to the basket, fadeaways, turnarounds, and simply taking the ball to the basket and taking the contact and playing through the contact and either scoring or going to the foul line or both. Stronger than Pope, stronger than Green, stronger than Caruso, and Besting LeBron when LeBron guarded him. This, this wasn't this wasn't Murray, all right, of the Nuggets. This was a guy last night who was on a mission, who literally was going to do anything and everything he could to lead his team to a victory, and he literally did all that and more, making guys better with great passes, kick out for kickouts for three, kickouts for runners. Just you name it, he did it. Passes for layups off the double team when it came. I was really surprised we didn't see more Dwight Howard. You know, he was taken out of the game early, and it was Morris the rest of the game. The Lakers had no physical inside presence. There was no shot blocker at the rim. Nowhere. And I like Howard's intimidating presence. I like his size. I like his strength. The most forceful defensive play of the game was by Rajon Rondo. When Butler went to the rack and Rondo came over to help, I discussed this with Frank Isola today. He thought it should have been reviewed. 
I can understand we've, we've reviewed far less. You cough on a guy, they review it. But Rondo made a great play. He came over from the weak side. He went straight up and I, I thought got a clean, forceful block on the ball. He got him with the body, and that's what knocked him down. But Rondo rose up and defended with heart, with valor. The rest of the Lakers last night defended like Gumby. It was literally Mr. Softy. The size, strength, and power was not there. It was unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. No rebounds, no rings. They did nothing on the offensive glass, and they simply were not strong enough on both sides of the basketball. They were not physically strong enough. Jimmy Butler was the best guy on the floor, and he was the toughest guy on the floor, both to his credit. It's a guy I desperately wanted that we talked about. I would have loved to have added Jimmy Butler uh, as, as the third man. We but love Jimmy Butler, and it's it's not it's not a secret as to why. And one of the things you have to love is he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's cocky. He says what he means, but he does as he says. He's telling everyone, I'm going to carry this team. We're going to do this. It's not over. You're in trouble during the game, et cetera, et cetera. And he backs it up all the time. You know, you got Anthony Davis after the game winner leading into the finals in game two wins the game. And after the game, he's saying, I want these shots. I live for these moments. I'm the guy. And again, he's a ghost in game three of the NBA finals in his first NBA finals. Anthony Davis's defense. you, You always have to have somebody get the big guy, the ball. Jimmy Baller can take the ball from 30 feet in and do whatever he wants. Anthony Davis doesn't bring the ball up. Anthony Davis doesn't run the floor with the basketball in his hands, unless it's off of steals. Anthony Davis is on the wing. Anthony Davis is on the post. Anthony Davis is foul line extended, whether it's LeBron James or playoff Rondo or Caruso. Their job is to get him the ball and get into the half-court offense. Jimmy Butler is the half-court offense right now. So he's got the ball in his hands. So it's a lot different in terms of, you know, a guy's, a guy's being a ghost on the one hand because he was lethargic early, but late he just didn't get opportunities. He, he They didn't look to him. Right. They looked everybody else. Morris for threes, Rondo some ill-advised threes, LeBron doing whatever the hell he was doing, but nobody getting the ball on Anthony Davis. Nobody getting the ball on Anthony Davis. And that's a huge mistake. It's a mistake in the half-court offense. It's a mistake any way you look at it because that's your that's your best weapon in the half-court offense, and there is no answer for it on this team. Kelly Olenek, Andre Agadala, sorry. Take my chance. Great defender. I'll take my chances for the size advantage. The frustrating part with all of what Jimmy Butler did was the lack of adjustments as well. Because if you turn that game on in the first quarter, in the second, in the third, in the fourth, the Lakers seemingly guarded him exactly the same way from when he first started his massacre to when it ended. Clearing everybody out. He goes to his right every time. He goes, did you you once see him finish with a left hand going to his left? No, it it was like a high school game. Your best player cleared everybody out, got everybody out of the way. He took 22 seconds off the shot clock. And then he'd decide, I'm going to drive to the basket. They're either going to follow me or I'm going to be strong enough to make it. 
every time. And, and they just and sat around gonna, and watched. They let it happen. If he's going to go to his left, he's going to stop, pivot, and or do a little fade away or step back in the lane or fade away. He's not going to finish with the left hand. He's not going to finish on that left side. He's going to stop middle of, the, middle of the key and do something in the middle of the key with a little pump fake up and under, whatever it's going to be, but he's not going to go all the way to the rack on the left side of the basket with the left hand. Didn't do it once. Didn't do it once. Always finishing on the right side and, con- and continually beating him time after time after time after time. So have to make some adjustments there, which I'm sure they will. They've been terrific at adjusting. But let's remember, this is a Heat team that is well-coached. They have a great deal of heart. They are not going down in any way, shape, or form easily. Not going to wilt. We'll see who's back tomorrow night. I don't know if Adebayo is going to be back. He said he's now questionable. I don't know uh, if Dragic is going to be back. I have no idea if they've upgraded him or not. But you know, the Lakers have to play better. They have to play harder. They have to play smarter. Plain and simple. Much more effort is required on the defensive end. Much better care of the basketball has to be taken. They were so sloppy with the ball last night. Inexcusable. Just lazy. Lazy, lethargic. There was no sense of urgency by the Lakers with the exception of about eight to ten minutes uh, end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, when they got the lead back, uh, you know, they were down 14 when they trimmed the lead down and then actually took the lead. Other than that short stretch, no sense of urgency at all and no real consistency and continuity on the offensive end. Kudos you know, to, to Kuzma and Morris. They knocked on a lot of threes that are basically what kept the Lakers in the game. Uh, Morris also put up some ugly ones too, but that's to be expected. I'm not going to expect they got to switch every shot. He made a bunch of them. And Kuzma played really well, I thought, uh, on both ends of the floor. But uh, Rondo played hard. He took some ill-advised threes. But I I just think that uh, there has to be a far greater sense of urgency from the star players, uh, smarter play from the star players, better play from Danny. Look, when when Danny Green and Pope play well, they're going to win. They stunk last night. They lost. They got some input from the bench, but it wasn't enough because the two best players, like I said, played with their heads up their asses for a good chunk of the game. Don't mention a JR's three-pointer by you near the end of the second quarter. I'm disappointed. Nothing but that. Almost had two. Rimmed out. Nothing but that. He he ran over to that that corner to shoot that three. At yes, the end he of that. Yes, he did. It was beautiful. I need he, more JR in my life. My son has been clamoring for JR. How bad can it be? KCP, I think, has made as many threes as he's hit the side of the backboard from the corner in the NBA Finals. I've never seen someone stand over there with such confidence and then shoot it off the top of the backboard and then make the next one. What happens? It's not like there's three people <laughs> running at him. At least, at least he gets there. Danny Green's shots are just... He, he leaves. He's leaving so many of his shots woefully short. He, I think he needs several chiropractors because he's just been saying aloud. He's hoping he can get to the end of two more wins. Like something's wrong that they're not telling us or he's not telling us. And if that's the case, I mean, it's okay to put somebody else in start Morris. It's okay. Well, the, if he can't, the, if the he can't play with, a lot of you know, minutes. Green is such a solid defender. 
uh, and rebounder that you know you got to figure sooner or later he's going to and which he did uh, in in game one he played terrific. Um, which was it game one or game two? Game one they all played well, so he was part of that. They shot lights uh, out game one. Uh, it was probably game one. He played terrific and had a wonderful defensive game uh, and rebounding game. So you know his versatility is very helpful to them. It's not just him knocking down shots because uh, he adds so much from the defensive standpoint. Uh, but you know, last night he had a full blown stinker, and uh, nobody was defending Jimmy Butler last night. Him, uh, KCP, Caruso, LeBron. He had his way with the Lakers last night, to his credit. And sometimes you have to tip your cap, as the saying goes. And we're tipping our cap to Jimmy Butler. But the point is, Jimmy Butler notwithstanding, that game was still there for the taking if you took care of the basketball and got quality shots from your best players, specifically getting the ball to Anthony Davis down the stretch of the game, and he never touched it. Never had a chance to get to the foul line. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. The point of this, for the people listening, screaming at their phones and their headsets of why we're being so critical because this isn't the first rodeo where this has happened in these playoffs. In fact, it's happened every round of these playoffs where they've had a garbage game and then responded to win the rest of them. So it would lead you to believe that's what's going to happen here. But the frustrating part is how many times can you go to that same? Well, how many times can there be postseason games, especially NBA finals games where you just fuck around for half of it. You're asleep for half of it and think you could turn on the switch. Very high standard. We are Laker fans. Uh, we are guilty of being overly demanding. Uh, the Lakers of years past, uh, five championships with Magic have had stinkers in the finals. Uh, the Memorial Day Massacre against the Celtics. Uh, the Lakers of Kobe and Shaq had stinkers. Uh, you know, the stunner, the stunning loss, you know, to the 76ers. Uh, it happens. But you get to a certain point where there's such a buildup and a hope. And you're playing at such a high level, you just expect that it will continue no matter what. And you get spoiled. LeBron James is spoilers. Anthony Davis is spoilers. But my point, my tirade earlier on was simply this. Magic Johnson spit the bit in the 1984 finals of Game 7 and earned the nickname Tragic. And the argument is that, well, Larry Bird never did that, so Larry Bird's bad. Well, Larry Bird's had bad games. He's had bad games in the finals, but he never had a game where you looked at him and said, man, he was awful in terms of bad decisions and choking, etc. So, you know, you're going to put Magic Johnson in the greatest of all time player category by with that one scenario alone. My point is, I've watched every game Michael Jordan played in the finals, and he never did what LeBron James did last night. He had games where he didn't shoot well. He had games where he wasn't the greatest player on earth that night, but he didn't 
out and out choke and look lost and flustered and make terrible basketball decisions and not take care of the basketball with a game on the line in the NBA Finals. Now, granted, he was only there six times. This is the Bulls' 10th. But Michael Jordan was not only there six times, he won six times. And he was the most valuable player all six times. And that's why it still always starts and ends with six, six, six. Because not only were you the best player on the floor in six finals, you won all six finals, and you never had a fourth quarter like I saw LeBron James put forth last night. That's why he walks off the court with 10 seconds to go, because he knows in every performance like last night, lackluster, subpar, that results in a loss, it is a mark on his resume against him in the GOAT argument. And that is something that he is obviously driven by. He wants to be the greatest player of all time. He never will be the greatest player of all time. And last night was evidence of it. And he's one of the great players of all time. There's no doubt about it. He's a top five player. But there's only one greatest player of all time. And the guy you saw last night in the fourth quarter was not him. And my point is I have money on them to win in either four or five games. So the former part of that is off the table. The latter part is still alive. Quit screwing around and let's win these next two basketball games and hope Jimmy Butler doesn't have another. I mean, this, this is probably for the heat, a top three game of all time for their franchise next to Dwayne Wade and LeBron James having some, well, obviously LeBron had a slew of them with the heat during the championship years. And, um, But last night's performance was so unique uh, and old schoolish, which is great to see because, you know, from the old report perspective, to see a guy put up 40 without not only not making, but not taking one three-point shot is a breath of fresh air. It really is. Um, You know, it's, it's the days of Elgin Baylor. Uh, it's the days of Jerry West. It's the days of Walt Clyde Frazier. It's the days, uh, you know, at times, of Michael Jordan. Uh, yes, Michael took threes and made threes, but uh, especially that one series against the Blazers, but it wasn't where he lived. It wasn't you know where so many players now have become, uh, their games have been so focused and dependent uh, on the three-pointer and it wasn't even you know not a a secondary uh aspect of the game last night for him it was no aspect of the game and that was what so was so unique about his performance and really a breath of fresh air and the rest of his team played well i mean tyler hero had a miserable shooting he came out in the fourth quarter kelly olenic played very well again and he got just enough support from the right guys at the right time. When he made the kicks, they made the shots. And that's what it's about. He carried them. And when he needed them to step in and finish off an excellent pass, 
they were there. And uh, that's what a, you know, a great team effort is all about. And that's what the Heat put forth last night. It was a great individual effort by Jimmy Butler, but it was really also a great effort all around by the Heat. And he played 45 minutes while guarding the best player in the world. How's that for your rotations, folks? How's that for your rotations and your analytics? Quick note I wanted to get in and get your thoughts on regarding the Major League Baseball postseason because despite the results of both our favorite teams, while mine happened to move on and yours lost in somewhat devastating fashion in the second of the games, this was our first time seeing what the best of three wild card round would look like. It mostly went chalk. It mostly went to plan. Although some teams can argue that it's not the best way to decide these things when you lump everybody into the wild card and don't reward divisions, et cetera, and records and all that sort of thing. What did you make of what you saw from this first go around of what the wild card round looked like? Well, first of all, it's hard to evaluate with um, no fans and not the same kind of home field advantage you would normally see in the pressure of pitchers to go out and perform on the road with screaming crowds, etc. cetera. Um, you know, why the Reds don't score in two games, inexplicable. Uh, how the Cubs get skunked by the Marlins, hard to believe. It was... Just the, it, it really was the continuation of an incredibly unusual year in terms of the, the best way. I mean, look at the National League Central, for example. Look at all the underachieving. And when we talk about my Cardinals, which I jokingly call the hitless wonders, the no doubles offense. And we know they stink with all the underachievers that they had this year, the forever Matt Carpenter, you know, can't even make it to the Mendoza line. But look at the Cubs. Look at the, the terrific players on the Cubs. And look at their averages. You know, Rizzo in, in the low 200s. Bryant, low 200s. Bias, low 200. These are guys who were world champs a couple of years ago who looked like they were going to be a dynasty. And they couldn't hit their way out of a paper bag from an average point. Look at the Reds. The guys they brought in, Mustakas, Cassianos. They still have Joey Votto. Uh, they didn't score in two games and the numbers for the season way down uh, a guy we called and everybody called because quite frankly, he is, you know, for the last couple of years, one of the best three or four players in baseball, Milwaukee Brewer MVP two years ago, could have been the MVP last year, Christian Yelich barely above the Mendoza line, the seasons for a lot of not just established, but, tremendous offensive players in the NL Central were all just woefully down. And I have no idea why. Was it the virus? Was it the layoff? Was it, you know, the gap? Well, I don't know what it was. And then you have Luke Voigt lead the major leagues in home runs. And Abreu putting an MVP year for the White Sox. And Marcelo Zuna, notice, Former Cardinals, okay, Luke Voigt, you gave us Gallegos, middling reliever, pissed away game two against San Diego, all right? Luke Voigt, major league leader in home runs. Oh, by the way, Marcelo Zuna didn't want to re-sign him. 
goes to Atlanta for a one-year deal, leads the National League in home runs, whacking the ball over the field in Atlanta in the postseason. So, you know, I – oh, yeah, the world has an asterisk. Uh, it's just – I don't know what to think of it. I don't like the two out of three, to be honest. I like three out of five. I love three out of five. Um, the commissioner basically told us that he did not believe we would have eight next year. I heard him say, if we have expanded playoffs, it would stop at seven. So I don't know how that would be structured, quite frankly. I don't know if there would be a buy involved. I don't know if it would be the two out of three again. I don't know exactly what they would do. Uh, That remains to be seen. But I don't think we're going to see eight again next year. Certainly not until we have expansion. So I think it's it's probably going to be seven again. Uh, I still like – like it the way it was because I'm old school. I don't like seven. I think that's too many. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I really have no idea. I, I, it was interesting, but it was really tough to figure in terms of some of the outcomes. Uh, you know, the White Sox, it, it, uh, the Twins haven't won a, a postseason game since 1947. I mean, it just nothing seemed to me uh, to make sense. Yeah, there was some chalk, but the other outcomes were so surprising to me and the way they took place. I mean, the Reds not scoring in two games and the Cubs scoring one run is is mind-boggling to me. I mean, the Dodgers were going to be broke. The Dodgers are one of the three best teams in baseball, one of the three best teams in baseball, probably the best team in baseball. You know, the Brewers, you know, were under 500. But you have the Astros knock off the Twins in two straight. The Astros are under 500. And then they go out and club the Oakland A's today, which is expected because the A's suck. I mean, the, the, the biggest gaggers in the postseason of anybody are the Oakland A's. Uh, surprisingly, how they beat the White Sox, I have no idea. But uh, I would, did you like the two out of three? I don't mind the two out of three if it was the old format when the two teams played for the one spot. The two wild card teams played each other. I thought one game to decide that was painful, preposterous, not the greatest of things. I thought two out of three would be a lot better if that's how they want to do it. Now, if you're going to expand the postseason or whatever idea you have, I don't like the fact that you don't get as much reward for what you would do in the regular season. If we have a normal season, Lord, let's hope so normal circumstances and you win 120 baseball games, you shouldn't have to play for your life two out of three to make the postseason. That's ridiculous. Especially the team that you might play. There needs to be something where you're rewarded for your regular season or what's the point like this year. It was just, Everybody's going to get in. Oh, the Yankees, what's going to happen? There's not nine good teams in the American League. It's fine. They're going to get in. Now we'll see what happens once the playoffs actually start. But I think they need to reward success more than just, oh, congrats, you get home field in an empty stadium. Now it no, changes the first, if there's fans. Division winners, must, division winners must have a bye. They have to. Exactly. They have to. That's what this the fear was for this. These ones playing eights. And we know as baseball fans, you could lose two games before you can blink. doesn't mean you're the worst of the teams. For example, the Yankees play the Indians. 
the Indian starting pitcher hasn't allowed as many runs as he gave up in the first game for the Yankees. And I think seven regular season starts this year. He gives up that total in one game. They bring in a guy the next game hasn't given up a home run all year. He gives up a grand slam in a 10 to nine who, who God only knows who wants to win this game. It's stuff like that. That could happen to your say Dodgers playing these dogs in the national league. That's going to piss people off. Well, at least it should. So you have to find a way to reward success in the regular season to do that. But on its face, two out of three, I didn't hate. I just hated a team that you like being in that situation because every pitch is magnified by a thousand. You've, you've got to find a way. If it's not all the division winners, certainly the team with the best record and I, I, at least the next best record division winner and got to have buys. You've got to reward the excellent over the long haul. See, I, I don't like this one team gets all the home games because that's not fair to the fans. Right. Fans have filled the ball, ballpark for 81 games and their team makes the postseason. And the one game, obviously, that's all you don't have a choice. But this notion of, you know, we're going to play three out of five or two out of three, they're all going to be in the better record. So, no, 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 that's not right. Fans have been going to the game whole year, supporting their team. Their teammates the postseason. Same old, same old. It's two out of three, you get one. It's three out of five, you get two. It's four out of seven, you get three. Don't cheat the fans. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Now, we've been playing on this show during the NFL season, teams that have impressed and teams that have disappointed. Is there anyone after this week that you can add into either column for yourself? Well, first of all, folks, at the time of this taping, Bill O'Brien, a former coach and general manager of the Houston Texans, is now just that. He is the first one whose head has gone on the chopping block. I hate to use that term. Bill Bryan was fired this afternoon. And you know, who's next? Will it be Dan Quinn? Uh, that, that remains to be seen. Will it be Adam Gaze, uh, who's been picking up his check with a gun in the ma- a gun and a mask uh, in this time frame where we all wear masks? But, you know, Adam Gaze and the Wolf uh, you know, Jets uh, really, in my mind, would be the next to go with Dan Quinn. But, I, I mean, it. It has to be the Dallas Cowboys. And what is confounding is yesterday, as I'm checking on that game and I'm monitoring it and the statistics, and again, you know, I, I am not the Elias Sports Bureau. I am not the Hurt Brothers. However, I simply, in my best recollection, do not have any memory of an NFL team giving up and bear with me. It was 26 or 28 first downs in the first half. So let's say it was 26. I think it was 28. Either way, the Dallas Cowboys gave up either 26 or 28 first downs in the first half, the first half against the Cleveland Browns. This was my, pick to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. 
and they're still tied for the division lead, so they still have a shot. <laughs> and without a doubt, the worst division in all of the National Football League. And it's not close. Because the Eagles stink. Uh, they managed to pull one out of the hat against a beat-up San Francisco team. The Redskins stink. And the Giants would have to raise the level of their game to stink. That's how bad the football Giants are. And as I said to you, and I've said to many, the biggest question I have with respect to the football Giants and the New York Jets is if there was no pandemic, would any more people be in the seats than there are now to watch these two teams play? That's how woefully bad the state of NFL football has become in the New York area. They are both unwatchable. You want to call that a disappointment? I knew they'd be bad. They're unfathomably bad. Ridiculously bad. I don't even know if we could put them on the list because we kind of expected it, which is the disappointing part for both teams to be as dreadful as they are. If I they've, said they've almost you, exceeded expectations. Though, if I say. said to you, the under over on the giants and jets combined wins is five. Where are you going? You got to take the under. Now remember the jets won how many games last year? Seven. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Sam Darnold you're shows you something. Seven if, you're not going to get to seven if you spot them five. You, you can't. And it's a shame because at least for the Jets, Sam Darnold has flashes of, okay. It's a shame. Maybe. It's a shame. But you can't make a final decision because of who he plays for and who he plays with. He's got a ch- I thought he has a chance. I still think he's got a chance to be a really good quarterback in this league, but not here. Oh. He, if, if I'm him, I'm hoping and praying they get the first pick. So they can trade me anywhere, any, any, anywhere except to the giants. A lot of teams should be lining up for that. We'll trade you. You want Trevor Lawrence. That's nice. We'll gladly take Sam Darnold off your hands. I like Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is got a chance to be a really good player. The coaching he's getting is awful. The organization is terrible. They have no weapons. Uh, I mean, Mike Tomlin let bell go. What does that tell you? If you can't play for Mike Tomlin, is, is there a, is there more of a player's coach in the league than Mike Tomlin? Couldn't play for Mike Tomlin. To me, that's all you got to know. And he's been a zero as a New York Jet. Absolute non-contributor. He's done nothing. Quickly on college football, is there anything that sticks out to you at this point, or is it still too early to really care? I'm immersed in it because I have to be for work in the ACC. The Big 12 showed itself that it's, uh, as usual, hilariously awful when you expect it maybe not to be. But it's still, I at least I feel at this time, with baseball, with the NBA, with football, it's college football is kind of getting pushed back a little bit. Maybe once college all the conferences come back, we'll total- be a total and complete afterthought right now between uh, no or very few fans in the buildings not having the emotion of packed houses which is what college football lives off of so much and uh, you know college game day and everything that leads up to college football before the game is actually played that 
together with the fact that it is in full-blown competition with a playoff baseball as it always would be, but NBA Finals, NHL, uh, golf, etc. It just seems like, and, and everything that it took to get it going, and the controversy over where it's going to be played, not going to be played, and the fact that not everybody is playing, I just think it's going to be a very tough year for college football. Especially with the conferences who are finally going to take the field in the next couple of weeks. If they miss a week, if something goes wrong with coronavirus for their teams, how that impacts the college football playoff. If a team is on the doorstep or close to it, should they be included? They can have an incredible handful on their hands when we get closer to when the college football playoff is quote unquote quotes fingers in the air going to be played, hoped to be played. Here's what they're going to have working for them. What do we always complain about? What do so many people complain about with the college football playoff? The gap, right? The time frame between the end of the season and when the college football playoff finally starts, which is a good four weeks. So there is a month where you can quarantine and get your players back. Granted, it doesn't bode well for practice and it doesn't bode well for, you know, doing all the things that you need to do for game preparation, but it shouldn't be debilitating in terms of not having your personnel available because you've got that gap. That is the one silver lining to the time frame where the regular season and conference championships end to the month or so before we actually have the final four of college football. So you could deal with the time frame of the virus and go through a quarantine period and still be able to play. So I don't find it to be debilitating once you get to that point, but getting to that point is going to be the hard part. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Can't wait, as always, folks, for my partner, the great John Daniel, and I am El Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Enjoy the MLB playoffs. Enjoy the bubble and the NBA championship. Hopefully next time we speak, the Lakers will have been crowned champions once again. Until then, have a great and safe sports week. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.